Hey, everybody. Melissa McKenzie, the publisher of New American Spectator, along with Scott McKay, the contributing editor and also the editor and person in charge over at the Hayride and Reviver.com and the best-selling author of two books, the first one being The Revivalist Manifesto, and then, of course, that one, Racism, Revenge, and Ruin, the story of Barack Obama and how we're living in Barack Obama's brain and his world right now. So buy it soon. Uh, and it get makes out a there. splendiferous Christmas present. Splendiferous, not just a splendid yeah. one, not mm. just a great one, a splendiferous one. <laughs> while you're watching um mary poppins and singing super califragilistic you can also read the splendiferous book okay yes. so, so scott um we were going to talk about what's going on in israel how israel is flooding the zone over there yeah they're flooding the uh, tunnels and finally taking um this uh problem of the Hamas terrors being kind of underground. I mean, it's like, you know, I don't know if you've seen it. I'm sure you have. You've seen some of the videos of them. Mm -hmm. It's like subterranean homes and, yeah. and it's, um, it's I want to say it's 500 miles of tunnels that they've built under, under Gaza. Um, and that's, it's our money that has built these tunnels. Yep. Like this is it's like the most idiotic thing. The billions of dollars that have gone into Gaza over the last however many decades, three decades, mm -hmm. four decades. Yeah. That money went into excavation underground mm -hmm. so that they could build a network of tunnels for, you know, to move troops in mm -hmm. and to store rockets in and all of these other, you know, these They're like ants cool. under there. It's like it's yeah. like a hum Gaza is like a humongous ant hill filled with terrorists. And right. And and the thing is, is like is, I was kind of surprised at how sophisticated it was in parts. Like the they have plumbing, the all the electricity, all of the. I mean, it's just crazy. And well, I mean, what it really comes down to, like if you ever if you ever saw um uh or read. The Time Machine, you know, the old H.G. Wells book that they've mm -hmm. made into like, three or four times they've made a movie out of it. You know, there's the, the I guess, far, far in the future when there are, you know, the Eloi and the Molochs, mm -hmm. right? And the Molochs were the people that, like, the evil, scummy people that lived underground and would reach up and grab the Eloi and, like, do terrible things to them. And it's like, look at this. It's Gaza and Israel. I mean, like, mm -hmm. like somebody read that book and said, "Hey, let's do this in real life." Mm -hmm. um, you know, well, so you know, the 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 movie that turned that on its head, which I think everybody watching this should watch again, is Demolition Man. Um, yeah, which is kind of uh, where the people, the libertarians, were living underground, and all of the <laughs> elites were above ground. Dennis Leary libertarians, right? Remember that. I mean, yeah. it's, the, the crazy thing is, is like, and Sandra Bullock plays like this weird police officer where it's such a strange casting, having her be the, in that role for, for right. me, that is such a strange casting. And, um, but the, 
but then the the kind of perfect hermetically sealed above ground well we don't have crime and we don't have you know what i mean like right. it, it's just anyway I, I watched it during covid and because uh, somebody recommended it and i thought it was a good book but that's like turns that whole trope on the hat on their head but because usually it's the orcs and the and the um you know goblins who are underground uh right. hiding from the light which is what the Gazans are doing, you know, um, hiding yeah, from the light and then, yeah. and then making a, um, you know, and at least Israel isn't doing what I can't remember which troops. Did. I think the Russians did this because in a series of German tunnels and sent uh, hungry bears in, starving bears into the tunnels <laughs> to eat the people, to eat the soldiers. That would, that's a little more of, <laughs> kinetic but, than just pouring water down in there well well right but i think that's what they did then they what the russians did is they sealed the the um exit points and left 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 the um you know bears do their work i guess i don't know right. well and this is like a you know despite all of the bad press that the israelis are suddenly getting for flooding these tunnels which is like this is so stupid there's a there's a sort of a media meme here though which is like okay so they're not sealing any of these tunnels right like anybody who's in the tunnel and wants to leave the tunnel is actually being encouraged to do so can right? swim and out or can slosh through the water and get out if they're not electrocuted if the well, hopefully I mean, the electricity's off well you would think so um but i mean the whole point is and I'm sure because this is how everything works over there, they warned these people before they were going to flood the, the tunnels. Yeah. Hey, we're going to flood the tunnels, right? So they start flooding the tunnels. Like, oh, it's an atrocity what you're doing. And it's like, no, we want them out of the tunnels, right? Like, so we're going to well, do something right. that makes them want to leave the tunnel, which is to flood the tunnel. So like everybody would leave the tunnel. And then that enables us to not have to fight sort of a two-front war right. underground and, and above ground. Well, it's like it's they're like, literally well, yeah, flushing the them out. They're like, literally flushing them. Yeah, <laughs> but like this is like, yeah, exactly. And it's somehow there's like a moral problem with the Israelis doing this. Yeah, I, I don't it's see the, the moral it's, it's a similar like stupid logic to, um, for example, when Greg Abbott put the water barriers mm -hmm. in the Rio Grande, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, the point is to keep illegals on the other side of the border you are right. not we are not allowing you to come into texas right so we're putting a water barrier that keep makes it way more difficult for you to cross the rio grande and come to texas right and so you know wh whether it's true or not the accusation was that well people died because they tried to cross the water barrier and this is your fault greg Abbott. it's like no no i put the water barrier there so that you wouldn't try to cross it and you did it anyway which makes you the bad guy not me like all i want is for you to stay on the other side of the river and i'm not somehow i'm the governor of texas and i'm not entitled to say that people who don't have a legal right to come to texas need to stay out of texas right like i'm a bad guy if i if i take active measures that would dissuade them from coming to texas and they're not dissuaded and things go badly for them this is the same thing as like the Israelis. Like, no, we don't want to have to send our people down into those tunnels 
right. to, to you know, basically have to fight hand to hand against a bunch of people, you know, that no, we're going to flush them out. And so because above ground, we win all the battles. And that's like how we want to fight this war. No, you can't do that. It's an atrocity for you to flood a tunnel. Like, you know, to which the answer is, where did you go to school? Where did well, they teach Harvard. you? Harvard. Yeah, probably. I mean I mean, the thing is with this, this is what I've been thinking about all of these, it's mean type of, because this trope is everywhere. If anyone who is um, in a position of more authority, let's just say they're the, they're considered the oppressor. Right. Just like all Christians and all white people have been cast as the oppressor. The other, the, the most oppressive group of course is white men. Right. Well, who have been the force for rule of law and order? Men tend to be men tend to be much more interested in order, uh, structure, systems, um, efficiency. Right. That's a male. I mean, when society gives you the job of being the protector and provider. Right. You try to find the easiest way to do that. And the easiest way to do that is to have rules that everybody abides. Right. Right. Well, and the thing is, because the alternative to that is bad men being in charge. If you don't have the because then might makes right. So if you don't have the rules and you don't have the systems and that's how you get tyranny. And so good men impose structure that you have to follow in order to have certain whatever. Well, the problem is in the culture, and I told you I was going to take this in a weird place, is that because so many people do not have good fathers, do not have um, an yeah. understanding of structure. And so like you watch these cop shows. If you, I don't know if you've ever watched them. I haven't watched them a lot, but the few times I've watched what's really struck me is that probably you have these mothers calling the police to come have them help with their errant son. And the first time this boy has interacted with a male authority figure is a police officer. It's not their father. It's not an uncle. It's not a concerned grandpa. It's not even a concerned neighbor. It is, um, you know, the long arm of the law, which is really not their job. And so like you have a whole society in the West in general are so uncomfortable. And then you have, you know, birth, you know, the birth order and um, live births and everything collapsing around the world. This is like a worldwide problem where you do not have enough good men. Yeah. And, and then you have situations. Well, and you have, a, you have a culture that dissuades um, first of all, it dissuades men from being good. Right. Second of all, it dissuades women from uh, influencing men to be good. Right. Or even having men in their lives. And of right. course, we talked about the whole D plus 37 phenomenon mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. um, all that. I mean, and we could maybe get into it like Taylor Swift being named Times Person of the Year is of a piece with that whole D plus 37. My daughter said something funny. She's like, yeah, so was Hitler. (laughs) Well, the thing is, is that I do think that, so when you have a culture, um, 
like that, then when some um, direction is imposed, the people get really upset that somebody is saying that this is going to be the way it is. And so like flooding, flooding the tunnels is just a logical thing to do. It's right. not cruel. It's not mean. It's not anything. Uh, they After they flood it, I hope they just start like cranking out cement and like really, you know, block it off because the, it'll be used again. And it just needs to be stopped. Or like the Egyptians are blowing up the tunnels at the entrance points, you know? Well, I, I think what you do is you flood the tunnels and then you fill them with piranhas. <laughs> fill them with piranhas. <laughs> like, you better not go back down there. Um, put some put some crocodiles in there i mean you could you know you could um, they'll have something to eat the rats and everything else will be down there in no time you know i i like i think it's very much in israel's interest to make those tunnels completely unlivable um you know and, and take that asset away i mean let's just think you're fighting a war with somebody you take their assets away that's how you win the war is to is right. to take their assets away, you know. And well, the other thing this... is, it's not just a below ground. The thing is, they flush everybody out and above ground and into their homes and everything else. Is really then you've got severe urban warfare because the all the fighters are mixed into like I was seeing um, uh, one. Um, picture where it was this guy's son had cancer was being treated for free in Israel he was a Hamas fighter and they had um in their home they had been given I can't remember one or two hostages were in their home you know and and so like exactly it's just like so so you have the situation where and and at a certain point in all of this we have to understand that the 80% of the people in Gaza voted for Hamas to be in yeah. charge they're not innocents no it was and a great a couple of weeks ago there was an absolutely great column at the American Spectator that Dove Fisher wrote Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, he was basically saying, no, Dresden, Gaza. He said, because these people are every bit as complicit with what Hamas has done as the Germans were with what the Nazis did. Right. And I mean, you know, the Allies burned down every single city in Germany and left that place and a smoldering ruin. And to this day, nobody cares that they did that. That's what was necessary to win the war. The Russians did way worse. Right? Uh, the Russians, I mean, the thing is, this is the problem I have with the Russians when they went marauding through Poland, you know, raping nuns and and oh. everything that they they did. I mean... So there's a, um, a, a documentary on, it's like World War II from the front lines that's on Netflix right now. Um, and it was something I... It's not like the footage of this is great. It's like it's six shows. It should be 12. Like they skip a whole lot of stuff. And I guess they just brought out the stuff that they had really good footage of. And that was what they used. But like there's like whole swaths of World War II that like get no coverage from this. But one of the things that they do have 
was the um, the Warsaw Revel Rebellion right before the Russians retook uh, Warsaw. Mm. Um, and like, so all of the partisans that rose up in the city of Warsaw against the Germans, like they figured, okay, we're going to, we're going to knock the Germans out and then the Russians will come and then that'll be the end of it. And Stalin was like, nah, bleed the Poles because they'll rebel against us too. And so they sat on the other side of the river for two months waiting for the Germans to, to, um, to liquidate those rebels before they finally went in, you know, and it's like, God, what a son of a bitch that guy was. I mean, you know, like, like what an utter, like these people were like begging the Russians, you know, like, Hey, we need your help. You know, like we'll pacify the city for you. You know, it's all good. Right. Like, no, no. I want all of you to die. And the Germans liquidated like 180,000 people mm -hmm. when they finally put that rebellion down just before the Russians came across the river and drove the Germans out. So it's like 180,000 people who died absolutely needlessly. Yep. And, and we're going to and we're yeah. going to have a, some moral outrage over the Israelis flooding freaking tunnels in Gaza. Right. It's like like how far have we progressed in you know, 80 years into the realm of just unrealistic stupidity um, where, you know, those things that happened during World War II were, I mean, it was like, well, you know, yes, Stalin is a son of a bitch, but tactically it's probably the right thing to do. So, okay. Right. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, no, you can't flood a tunnel that you, the enemy pops up out of like meerkats with freaking AK-47s and shoot right. Like seriously, are you kidding? Meerkats. It's uh, it's amazing how yeah. dumb all this shit is. Anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, is that what's interesting to me is that this whole thing could have really gone sideways and the restraint being um, taken by the surrounding Arab and uh, Islamic countries has been interesting well and this is that what nobody will report but it's patently obvious okay and it's mm -hmm. for the same reason that these guys were perfectly fine signing the abraham accords right mm -hmm. is that none of those arab countries like hamas right none of them like hamas they all know what hamas is hamas hamas is iran's cat's paw mm -hmm. in palestine mm -hmm. okay yeah and they know that Iran will do that in their country as soon as look at them. And so they want Hamas liquidated so that the Iranians don't start up a Saudi Hamas or an <laughs> Egyptian Hamas right. or a Jordanian Hamas. Like they know that Iran will do those things. And so they want the Israelis to solve that problem for them. Right. Um, now, the, the downside of Israel clearing Hamas out of Gaza is that these people are going to scatter to the four winds and then they will start up a Jordanian Hamas and an Egyptian Hamas and a Saudi Hamas. Like that well, will the actually. Thing is, I mean, I do have 
faith in the Mossad. I mean, the, the, I, I think there's yeah. going to be a big hunting expedition. Probably. All of these guys are flushed out. And they have. But, I mean, remember this, though. And I don't mean to cut you off, but. Yeah. October 7th was a massive intelligence failure on well, Israel's true. part yeah. along the lines of a Pearl Harbor or a 9-11 um in fact well, you I know think, that there's conspiracy theorists that like uh december um, 7th um let it happen that they said, let it happen so that you know to help yeah. netanyahu and all that yeah I don't, I don't buy that i mean i've heard that stuff and it's like no because because anybody that consciously let something like that happen in israel wouldn't have the power to prosecute the war they wanted so bad and besides the fact you didn't need to to allow this to happen. Hamas starts wars. It's what they do. You know, whether it was October 7th or November 11th or December 14th or January 3rd, they were gonna start something, whether it was an intifada or like they they do this periodically every time they have enough weapons and men to do it. Mm -hmm. So the I mean like the entire time Obama was president, for example, they were always starting a fight with the Israelis. Like it was every six or eight months they did. So why would you think that the Israelis like needed to um, uh, to, you know, spark this war or to let it happen uh, in order to get started? They they have these opportunities every few months. The only time it really didn't happen was when Trump was president, largely because he kept the Iranians in check, didn't give them any more money, unlike Obama and Biden. Yeah, he's amazing he when, the when the Iranians have lots of money hanging around. All of a sudden, somebody attacks Israel. Right. Shocking how that happens. Yeah. Well, I mean, Biden funded this war. On both and sides. Says, and then he says, "Oh, I need my hundred billion dollar uh, aid package for Ukraine and all these other things, and it's going to include humanitarian aid for Gaza." Right. Oh, but we'll make sure that that doesn't end up being weaponized. Right. And it's like, um, when has that ever happened? Right. When has anyone ever given money to the Palestinians in Gaza when it didn't turn into a military um, buildup on their part? That, like, they are going to buy guns and ammo and whatever else with that money. Um, you bringing up Joe Biden um, reminds me of your column about his, where you include his middle name. I think we need to talk about this, and I think we need to stop calling Joe Biden Joe Biden. I think that we Joseph need Joseph Robinette Biden. Joseph Robinette Biden. Uh, I knew that at one time, but I'd forgotten. But like Barack Hussein Obama, I think it should be Joseph Robinette Biden. Yeah. Well, you know, like the serial killers all they use their middle names all the time. So I don't know why we wouldn't use Joe Biden's middle name. I mean, he's doing as much damage as any of these as any of these idiots that are with the bloody mayhem that they get uh, started at shopping malls and schools and whatnot. So like, I don't know why we wouldn't use it for Biden. Okay, I had an interesting conversation over the weekend with someone about Mr. Robin Biden, and 
uh, they're saying, and, and I'm kind of tired of this argument. Their argument was Joe Biden doesn't know what he's doing. Someone else is clearly in charge. He is basically a puppet. And my thing was, and Vladi uh, Plachinsky, who's the executive editor of the American Spectator, and I always disagree. Right. We talk yeah. about that exact subject in this book. Right, you do. But here's the thing about this. I said, they're like, you know, Joe Biden wouldn't be doing some of the things he's doing as president. I was like, yes, he would. Because Joe Biden's governing principle has always been power. You're making the mistake that thinking that his guiding principle is, well, he's actually for, um, you know, um, law and order reform. And he actually believes no. this. He, no, 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 no. He's whatever. No. He's for whatever. I was like, his voting record is to the left of Obama. His, you know, as a senator. I was like, no, his guiding principle is what will get him money and power. Personally, yeah. how can he pay off? So like your idea that, you know, well, he's just, he's got Catholic principles, but he's just no. a good Catholic. No, 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 no. That's no, not, no, that's not no. what's. No. Now, I, what, I, what I will say is this, okay? So, um, and now we're talking about what happened on Tuesday. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, the 13th. On Tuesday, the 12th, um, Biden had this press conference with Zelensky, uh, where he's screaming about how he needs this $100 billion aid package and $60 billion of it is going to Ukraine and so on. Um, and he's screaming, screaming, screaming because the House Republicans refuse to move Ukraine aid unless it's married to you know, shutting that border down and starting to deport some of these people and like putting right. an end to the border invasion. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and what I said in the American Spectator column that that uh that I wrote Tuesday night uh was okay, this is an example of how Obama's the power behind the throne. Mm -hmm. Because and I like I agree with you, Joe Biden has no principles whatsoever, okay. But if like the the old the older Joe Biden or the or the younger Joe Biden rather from years ago who still had like all of his faculties right. um, would have been perfectly happy to cut that deal with the Republicans. All right. Oh yeah, you want to do border security? It's hurting my poll numbers so great. We'll absolutely do the border security piece. Right. Okay. Now he would have reneged on that deal as soon as he got reelected. And right. thrown the border more wide open than it is now. Okay, right. he would have absolutely done that, but he would have made that deal and right. gotten the Ukraine money for the laundromat in Kiev. He would have absolutely done that. Okay, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. fact that he is showing that kind of intransigence right. is because he's not making that call. Right. This is absolutely. It, this is a Barack Obama call we made. If you remember Obama. For the eight years he was president, he never did one single deal with the Republicans. And he had Republicans then who were much more pliable than some of what you have now. Okay, like Mike Johnson has actually got a little bit of a back mm -hmm. and is trying to call the tune of that. I mean, Obama had John Boehner. I mean, mm -hmm. John Boehner would give you whatever you want just for a belly rub. And Obama never would do it. 
I mean, never. He never. forced Obamacare down everybody's throat. I mean, like, it was one thing after another, and he would do nothing but make threats and call people names and try and browbeat Republicans into doing his bidding. Um, it worked. I mean, the thing is, it's a Republican. Well, for the most part, I mean, not all the time, but like, it, yeah. put it this way. It worked enough that Barack Obama never changed course. Yeah. Okay. And now you're seeing it with Obama or with, uh, with Biden. Um, and yeah, okay. So the people that run Joe Biden are the same people that were in Obama's right. inner circle. So right. yeah, it is, it's one and the same. But it's very obvious like what's going on here because this is a no-brainer of a deal. Like it's a no-brainer. Sure, okay, we've brought in whatever it is, six, seven million illegals. That's that's enough for now to do this demographic project that we're working with, which, you know, as a Republican or a conservative, you are not allowed to identify it as the great replacement theory, because that makes you a conspiracy theorist mm. and a racist, even though they've all written freaking tomes about, you know, the the coming Democrat permanent majority that they're going to get from all of this immigration. Like, they bragged about it to each other. But when a Republican picks up on it and says, hey, you know what? This is what they're doing. Oh, no, you're a racist and a conspiracy. It's like, right. I read your stuff. Like, <laughs> like, you can't deny it now. You said this shit for 20 years, and now all of a sudden it's like crazy to bring it up. Like, right. reading your things is crazy. Anyway, um, like, you could pause that project for mm -hmm. a year and change. And then crank it right back up when you've brought your approval rating back or whatever and mm -hmm. given your, yourself a chance to win the election, then you could spend the next four years taking in 20 million illegals if you wanted because the Republicans right. would have no way to do anything about it. Right. So why on earth wouldn't you do that? And it's because Barack Obama and his crowd do not make deals. They don't give an inch of ground ever at all. There's no such thing as a strategic retreat. It is nope. damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. And that's what you're seeing with this Ukraine thing. But you're seeing it with everything. Mm -hmm. Issue after issue after issue. When those guys take a stand, they never, ever back down from it. Even when it's like, why are you doing this? This is crazy. Like the, you know, the, the stand against oil and gas, right? I mean, like they never backed off of that. They started lying about what they were doing, but the right. policy never changed when it was patently yep. obvious how bad it was. Yep. You know, the defund the police thing, all the I mean, like they never they never stopped pushing that kind of stuff. Some of them locally did, but nationally they never stopped pushing it. Instead, when the Republicans wanted to reel in the FBI, they said, Oh, look who's trying to defund the police now. And it's like, mm -hmm. oh my God. Like, really? Right. You know, so this is like this is a thing with them that is nonstop, which is we're going to be as intransigent as we can. We will stand against the American people. Mm -hmm. OK, because at the end of the day, we don't think it'll cost us an election. And even if it does, we don't care because eventually, you know, the Marxist dialectic, the arc, the, the arc of history is bending in our direction. And so we're going to do our mm -hmm. things and that's it. Yep. Which is frightening to live in a country that's that's run by people who think that way. I well, mean, the thing, well, the thing is, is 
just like the Islamists over in the Middle East, like the hardcore ones who are um, whatever, strong ideology is going to beat weak ideology every single time. That's right. And the problem on the right is that there's nothing. Right. So like you, you, there used to be like a strong Christian ethic. And so th this kind of the utter selfishness and the, the uh, Gaia worship that is inherent on the left, the paganism, because what we're talking about is this very is earthy right. paganism on the right. left. Yes. And it's what's driven all of this. So that's why you've got all the environmental stuff. And that's why you're, you're pro-abortion because, you know, a baby gets in the way of a, a mother's self-actualization. All of this stuff is coming out of this belief system. Right. And so right. like, and it's why we're seeing the rise in Satanism and it's seeing why we're seeing the rise in Wiccans and all that stuff, because it is a tribal, um, kind of uh earthy environmental religion nothing is new and, under the sun anti-anti-human and, and that's and anti truth right. i guess well truth is subjective well, more of a more of an ant well to them it is but like a, maybe like an anti-reality i don't know like the, i'm not sure what the word is it's, it's so like in eastern medicine the 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 male energy is objective um uh, order. We've already talked about this. The female energy is chaos. The male energy fire, the female energy water, that kind of fluid goes in different places. And, and, and the thing is we need both. The problem is, sure. is that we, we have a complete imbalance in the system. So what, you know, Barack Obama, um, you know, our first gay president has a lot of female chaotic energy. And it makes sense. He, this is a fatherless man. He was mm -hmm. raised by Marxists. He right. has no belief in authority. He hates the colonialists. He's an utter narcissist because he never received enough attention. So all he wants, and it has to, and he's essentially an only child in the way he was raised. Everything, sure. so he has no social skills and everything has to be his way or he gets mad. And so this, this non-negotiation and then the foundation where you don't believe in institutions, where you don't believe in structure, and, and you just have this rage really at anything that approximates that, this is the culture that you have. And so you yeah. have now, and the, and the right, because they're godless, lust-filled hypocrites and don't really believe what they say, which is that God and family are the most important thing, so all the people saying this, and we all know these politicians who are going out and screwing around on their wives and their husbands and divorce and everything else. And it's just a complete cultural mess on the right. So yeah. they don't really believe what they say and they don't really follow through. They just believe a light version of it. Right. And so it's not enough. You cannot fight this kind of, this drip, drip, drip onslaught of the left, this ideology with this weak sauce. Right. And, and so it's not gonna work. And so until the right grows its spine and really stands for what it believes in, and, and the thing is what we don't want, we haven't really talked about this, and it's the thing I'm concerned about, is what happens when all of these secular people on the right mostly white middle collar people who aren't going to church and don't have governing principles, don't have that stop 
that, you know, when you do have the belief that you're going to have to meet your maker, it changes your behavior. But what Absolutely. happens when you don't believe that? When you're when you're kind of quasi agnostic, you're just doing what feels good for you, and and you're like, wait a minute, my identity matters. So now we have a whole bunch of white people who accept the um, critical theory uh, um, framework. Right. That's when you get Germany. Well, yeah, this because they start. People I saw where you were going a little while ago, and you're yeah. exactly right, which is, and this is, the funny thing is, so, the, you know, the left is like nonstop with the projection, right? Like, right. it's all they do. And so they're already projecting this on the right, right? Like, they use the word, they use words like fascist, right? They call, you know, they call Trump a dictator, they do the authoritarian yeah. piece and the whole bit. Um, and I think to the extent there's any truth in what these guys are actually saying, it's what you're getting, which is that you're, it's inevitable that you're going to see right. disaffected white middle-class people who are not used to suffering of any type and are now seeing, right? Like there's that stat that like since June of 2020, only 6% of corporate hires have been white males. Right. Okay, which is mm -hmm. like a insane number. Considering um, that could be considering what's uh um the the percentage in the workforce. Yeah, it's an abomination. Yeah, I mean, it's, like it's, it's pure, it's, unadulterated discrimination no and question. bigotry. And so right. now we're going to do this in the opposite direction. And well, that's but and the problem is that these guys are still the majority. Well, and the thing is, is that, okay, so you're going to do that. And now you're going to spread identitarianism mm -hmm. among sort of the, you know, the white middle class, um, uh, you know, folks, most of whom are not going to accept wearing the hair shirt of white privilege. Okay. Right. They're not going to accept it. And the minute you do that and they don't have a Christian background. And the neat thing is, is that a lot of young white kids are actually starting to rediscover Christianity and believing it. Right. Which may be like sort of the thing that saves us from this, you know, what we're talking about. But for the ones that don't, like, yeah, you're that is where you're gonna get the rise of some sort of authoritarian, you know, fascist type thing that shows up. Um and, but the and the left is already. I mean, I think they're actually trying to gin it up, where they right. keep talking about Christian nationalism as the biggest threat right. to the country. And yeah, like this works on two are, levels, though. Yeah, but they're it, wrong because the thing is, is that the, the it's not Christian. <laughs> the, well, if if any of this rises, it's not the Christians who they have to worry about, and and so they they're. But the, what they are trying to do is use those words to yes. tar any white person as this Christian nationalist when it's not That's true. Correct. Well, any anybody who's not on board with our democracy, right? Like, right. which is this kind of dog's breakfast of woke paganism and socialist economics, right. And right. cancel culture and whatever. Um, so yeah, they want to brand everybody who's not on board with that game as a Christian nationalist. Right. 
so that they can cancel the Christians. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, you put that out there and the people who can't stand you are ultimately going to say, well, maybe I am a Christian nationalist and may, you know, maybe I should explore what that means. And then, you know, the, you know the, it, what the left would love is that results in a bunch of people marching around with tiki torches. Well, um, yes. I mean, all of the things that we've seen so far have been the feds dressing up and, and doing sure. these, you know, uh, pretending. All yeah, but blown. but they do the fake it till you make it thing. I mean, like mm -hmm. th this is something that they're this is an active project that they're working on. Right. Um, and I guess we're far enough into the show that we can actually talk about this because the direction that this is all going in, mm -hmm. and I'm gonna like blow some people's minds who are watching this. The direction this is all going in is the Democrats are trying to get Donald Trump assassinated. Yeah. Like they're trying to do that, okay? And Matt Gates, I think, was the first one to really call him out on Twitter. He took a screenshot of this Washington Post headline from, I don't know, like a week and a half ago, I guess, where it was, you know, Donald Trump is a dictator in the making, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and he like po he posted that on on uh, on X, I guess, I'm trying to get off of like uh, continuing to call it Twitter, but. He posts it and he's like, this is, you know, this is basically, this is calling the assassination hit. Like, this is what this is. Um, you know, and, and they're like, oh, that's crazy for you to say it. But no, that like, they know that they have crazies uh, that will act on this stuff. They know that they do. Um, you know, if there was ever any doubt about that, James Hodgkinson, who, right. when I mentioned this to Melissa, she didn't, re she didn't remember who it was. I would I forgot remember his name, yeah. At least a friend name. of mine. But yeah, James Hodgkinson's a guy that almost killed Steve Scalise. Right. Right. And he was a Bernie bro. He was a Bernie Sanders guy who, you know, followed Sanders around when he was talking about we need a political revolution in this country. And this mm -hmm. guy took Bernie Sanders at his word. Well, a political revolution means that you kill the people who are not part of the revolution. So right. he shows up at the congressional baseball practice for the Republicans. And starts taking pot shots, right? And thank God Capitol Police um, killed this guy before he could actually kill anybody that was at this thing. But he wounded a few of them and Scalise damn near died. Right. And I mean, that guy was ginned up by Bernie Sanders, okay? Right. Like, Sanders goes on the floor and said, oh, we never call for violence. Like, bullshit. You called for violence for two years on the campaign trail. Right. Like you said the words political revolution. Everybody knows what that means. And mm -hmm. somehow you want to run away from it now that everybody gets to see what that looks like. Right. Wrong. Sorry. They should have expelled Bernie Sanders from the Senate for that. They should have expelled yeah. him. A better America would have run his ass off on the spot. But the whole point is they now have um, the example. Hey, we can gin people up, right? We talk about Sarah Palin and she's targeting congressional districts. And so when some nut job shoots Gabby Giffords, we're going to blame this on the Republicans and we're going to gin all our nuts up, you know, like, oh, hey, this really is a war. And mm -hmm. if they take pot shots at Republicans, then great. So you got people rushing. Who was it? They, uh, what's his name? Is running? Lee Zeldin's running for governor of New York. Guy rushes the stage with a freaking long knife and tries to kill him. 
And he gets, it was like attempted assault was all he got charged right. with. Right. Right. Like they, they're, you can see this pattern is there. They're doing it. And now every single one of these left wing media operations is running around talking about how Trump's a dictator. Right. And he's trolling them. He goes on hand and he's like, oh, I wouldn't be a dictator. Except for day one. And then he says what he wants to be a dictator for. And it's stuff he's like, no, it's, that's not a dictator. The president has the power to do that. Because mm-hmm. I'll shut the border down and be a dictator. It's like, that's not a dictator. That's following the law. It's not a dictator. Right, right, right. right. But he's trolling them. And I guess it's because he's got the best security people in the business. or something. I hope so. But let me, like, if you think that they are not actively trying to incentivize somebody to go take a pot shot at Trump and take him out, then you are not paying attention. Well, I mean, it's why it is why DeSantis and Nikki Haley are still in there. They have two hopes. One, he goes to jail or two, he's killed. And, and, And part of the reason why I have a real problem with the never Trumpers is that is the only calculus for what we are seeing. Yeah, And I find it morally repugnant that they're even out there at this point, because the only reason they're there is because they want to take advantage of the calamity that they hope will befall Trump. And the fact is, I don't disagree with you, but I will say you do like the possibility of this, the, the, the increased possibility of this based on what the Democrats are doing is why as long as Nikki Haley's in the race, you have to have DeSantis, okay? Because DeSantis on a one-to-one is going to beat Nikki Haley when Trump is out of the mix, mm-hmm. okay? And DeSantis is, go, would do the things that Trump would do. Nikki Haley would not. Nikki Haley would bring, you were right back to Bush Republicanism. And the fact of the matter is the media is playing up Nikki Haley in an effort to make her the alternative to Trump so that if Trump goes down one way or the other, we're stuck with it. It's the exact same thing they did with John McCain in 08. It's the exact same thing they did with Mitt Romney in 2012, which was Mm -hmm. to neutralize all of the anti-establishment populist conservatives Mm -hmm. who, who could be the Republican nominee in favor of the uniparty establishment stooge, which is very much what Nikki Haley is. Right. Um, also, and, the one. You know, well, I mean, I actually think Nikki Haley could win; has a better chance in the general. Um, yeah, but like, it doesn't matter if she wins. Is the point? Because, oh no, it doesn't matter, and I wouldn't want her. That's the thing. Yeah, it's it's just it's just um, yeah. Going no, back, I, mean, to I the think the, po- look, I just, the polling the polling shows pretty clearly that if you run Nikki Haley against Biden, she probably does win. Um, because she's going to get a percentage of that D plus 37 right. that that a Trump couldn't get or even maybe a DeSantis couldn't get. Now, you're going to bleed conservatives who will vote third party or don't show up or whatever. Right. The Republicans would suffer a massive defeat down ballot. Right. They get the Senate, probably lose the House. You know, Trump is going to turn out all of the Republicans. Like, that's the thing. And even if even if they don't like Trump, the vast majority of the Republican Party is going to turn out because they hate Biden and they know Trump would be different. I don't know that they think Nikki Haley would be different. And so I think you bleed right. out some of that. But still, you're going to get more with her. And yes, yeah, she wins the race. Problem is, 
I mean, and Nikki Haley has been pretty out front of late. She wouldn't change a thing. Not in our foreign policy, not in our budgetary stuff, not in oh. you know, cultural issues. Like, she wouldn't change a thing. Well, I mean, she was pussyfooting around with the transgender stuff. And the exactly. thing is, it's just like, what's the point of you? You know, and and then talking about taking away uh, anonymity on the internet. You see oh. that her 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 base kind of default position is um, whatever the very, Democrats want, right? Whatever the Democrats want, and so it won't be a stretch. She would be like Bush, which yeah. is and and we don't need that. The country doesn't need the country cannot survive it. Well, the country and, doesn't want it. I mean that like that's the whole thing. She's you know for whatever they you know the. They're running around talking about this surge that Nikki Haley has. She's at like 12%. Right. 88% of the Republican voters don't want to have anything to do with her. Right. Okay. That's not a surge. That's a, that's a, she's got this little rump group of, of supporters that have settled on her instead of Chris Christie or Asa Hutchinson, you know, or, or Mike Pence, right? Like, I mean, you know, it was like she's the, the surviving you know, uniparty stooge on the Republican ballot. And so, okay, she consolidated that small number of Republican voters that, you know, that are not on board with actually making some changes and rescuing the country. Um, and somehow this translates into her being relevant. It's It doesn't unless something happens to Trump and then it's, you know, who can get the most amount of money in it to go run a campaign right. um you know and and this is the reason and i mean look i was a DeSantis guy from the beginning i'm probably a trump guy because okay he's the nominee mm -hmm. I, i'm not offended by ron DeSantis staying in the race simply because he beats her if it's a head-to-head -head, he beats her um and and that you have to have if it, if it comes to that um you know, but the, there, like, there is no real argument for the the case that the Democrats are not out to get Donald Trump by whatever means they can, whether it's a lawfare thing or a warfare thing, um, in terms of you know, like kinetic warfare. And I'm not the only one talking about this. I mean, like, no. And the thing is, is that this is definitely the case. One of the the concerns that I have is that in the past election, it wasn't just the Democrats who were going after him. It was the Republicans. So like I told you before we we um, were recording here that I met um, Carrie Lake from Arizona at a fundraiser this over the weekend and interviewed her. And I'll be writing that up. Um, that, that'll probably, you guys will probably see that before the, you know, the podcast actually airs because it takes a while to get this thing uh, produced. But anyway, so um, one of the things with her is she had, um, of course, pissed off the McCain Republicans, which are in Arizona, which are like the, you know, Bush Republicans here in Texas. The Nikki Haley people is what it is. And then Nikki Haley people. Well, in Maricopa County, what a lot of people don't realize is that Republicans were running that election. Republicans were the ones making the ballots that were 10% too small to be read. They're the ones who were making sure 
that um, certain outcomes happen. And in the midterm, there were problems in Maricopa County again. Mm -hmm. And so you have a situation where on the Republican side, you have these bitter, never Trump folks in certain places yeah. as they've seen their power wane, being willing uh, to to destroy fellow re Republicans in order to uh, harm Trump. We right. saw that with Mitch McConnell and the, um, you know, no, the, it's, it's never ending where McConnell's concerned. Well, it's never ending with McConnell. Like I was explaining about how he never let the uh, Senate go into recess. So there can be no, so Trump never got one opportunity to do any recess appointments. Right. Purposefully. So this is a Republican doing this to a Republican, purposely screwing the president, yeah. and and then and then pulling funding to certain key races and certain key places, both in the midterms and in the last election, so that Trump can't get a mandate because he doesn't he doesn't want Trump Republicans. He would rather not have Herschel Walker in the Senate. He would rather not have Carrie Lake in the Senate didn't have Trump have two allies in the Senate. And so he pulled funding and made sure to kind of, you know, be kind of meh about it. And they're like, yeah, but he spent this much money. Yeah, but the opposing side spent 50 million to right. his 8 million. And right. he knew that. And he could have. Right. So he, he. And he had the money to match it. He had the money to match it. And so like. You know, one of the things that Carrie Lake was talking about in, in Arizona, because I asked her about this phenomenon, and she said she's been picking up the phone and calling every single uh, never Trump Republican that she can trying to win them over in Arizona, because what they have right now is a three-way race. They have Cinema, who's running as an independent, pulling about mm -hmm. 19 to 21 percent. Then they mm -hmm. have the socialist guy who's on the Democrat side, and then they have Carrie Lake. Right. It's Grijalva, right? I forget his name. Yeah, that sounds right. So he's a congressman. He's running for Senate. He's a it's Ra Raul Grijalva or somebody yep. like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and who's not an impressive candidate at all. No, not impressive at all. So, you know, there is, so someone asked me, you know, do you think Carrie Lake has a chance? I was like, absolutely, she has a chance, you know? Yeah, if it stays at three-way race, I think she wins. Yes, I think so, too. You know, because you and, get to 40 percent and you're going to win. Right. And, you know, she shouldn't have Trumpers a trouble getting vote. that. Yeah. yeah. Never Trumpers can go vote for cinema or whoever, you know, floats their boat and it won't matter. Right. But, you know, the race for Trump to win comes through Arizona. And one of the things I talked to her about was the structural problems, which I wrote about twice. We talked about this last week about how all the never trumpers are in la la land you know now they're talking about nikki haley woo, you know as if this is a thing and i'm like exactly what you're talking about is unless trump is killed or he is in jail and if he's in jail he it gets him more of the vote right. um well so and look realistically he's not going to be in jail okay no. you, you might be able to get one of these trials done before the election and if it's the one in dc then yeah he'll definitely get convicted there Mm -hmm. I don't know that he gets convicted in South Florida. I, you know, New York probably, Georgia. Atlanta probably. My guess is both of those are going to be hunted to be on the election. Well, he, I, the reason why, but even if he, like, even if he does get convicted, 
Okay, they're not going to put him in jail before the election because the appellate courts are going to, you know, are going to spring him pending appeal. And what well, they'll be able true. to say is, oh, he's a convicted felon and therefore he can't be on the ballot. And we right. have that whole fight. Well, that's the key in Georgia and I think North Carolina, that's the law. Those right. are the two states. And so, like, they're swing states, supposedly, I, you know. Um, and so, like, that's the idea is to get him off the ballot. I mean, right. it's, it's what they're trying to do in Colorado and all over the place. I mean, it's so anti-democratic. And, no, the, it's and the never Trump people on the right are all for it. And so like these people don't have the convictions of their principles. They are like the Democrats. They're Leninists. And, and it's not what the, it's whatever works to achieve the ends you want to achieve. And at any given time, your beliefs are going to change. But anyways, I think this next election is going to come down to, you know, the people of Arizona, the people of Georgia, the people in these various swing states. Um, and what Carrie Lake said was that she, they're hoping for such an overwhelming tsunami election that it's undeniable. Yeah. I was like, it was an overwhelming tsunami election, you know, in 2020. And we're still being told to believe that uh, Joe Biden got 81 million votes. Right. And it's just well, I mean, look, in, look in 2022, you had what, seven million more people came out for Republicans than Democrats. And, for you know, you didn't get much of a wave. It was more like a ripple. And then you saw some pretty shady things that happened, particularly in Arizona and Nevada and some yeah, of these other places. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I, like my big thing, in, and I've said this from, you know, the very beginning is this. When are they going to start paying attention to the block and tackle of elections? When are you going to start? When do you start like go and harvest votes in churches? Go and do it. Let the Democrats scream about you harvesting votes in churches. Let them scream about it. what like just go you and know, do well, it. You know go what? Perry Lake, Lake's telling the people in. So like what happens in in nevada because it's universal mail-in ballots everybody has them same way in oregon colorado has them um and so what happens is when they send like seven ballots to a home mistakenly one of the things yeah. carrie lake said they is, harvest all seven and send them in yeah. they harvest all seven and send them in is she's like you know i'm not asking the republicans to um you know falsify a vote She's like, just don't send the ballots back. Right. Don't send the, because all of those ballots sitting at the post office somehow find their way. They will be used. All Absolutely. of those extra ballots. Well, you know, and like the other thing, um, Mike Lindell funded um, a group in Wisconsin that you know it was a they rented an office somewhere with a bunch of guys with phones and computers um and they went through the voter file in wisconsin and they challenged at the local registrar level fifty thousand seventy five thousand whatever the number was like dead people people who had moved away like they they went like they went through that voter file and they in every county in wisconsin where the registrar was willing to actually clean that voter file up, mm -hmm. they went and they knocked out all these people who, you know, don't actually exist anymore. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it was the reason that Ron Johnson won. Mm -hmm. 
They saved Ron Johnson by cleaning up the voter file. They didn't clean up the whole voter file because the Secretary of State was a Democrat and just right. gave these people a stiff arm right away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they went to the local level and they started knocking people off the voter rolls who were dead. All right. right. And so I'm like, okay, Mike Lindell is paying money to, to get this done. Where is the RNC? That is the most obvious thing that the Republican uh, National Committee should be doing is, okay, Mm -hmm. we need a clean national voter file. And so we're going to, you know, we're going to give grants to every single state party in America to go, hey, go clean up that voter file. And if we have the Secretary of State, then let's go work with the Secretary of State to clean it up. If we don't have the Secretary of State, then go through the registrars of voters and clean that file up. Right. right. Make a list of all the people that, you know, here, here we have an obituary and a paper that we could find from mm-hmm. doing a search on everybody who's 90 years old and older in that voter file. Let's get rid of all of the dead people and then let's go through national change of address and let's see if we can match up as many of these people as possible. And let's go challenge these names on the voter file. Right. If you can knock 50,000 people off the voter rolls in Wisconsin and save Ron Johnson in a midterm. Okay, right. like if you knock another 50,000 off, then you win Wisconsin, you win Michigan, you win Pennsylvania, you win Arizona, you win Nevada, you win Georgia, right? right. You win, you keep North Carolina, you win, you keep Ohio, all of these places where you go and you knock these people off the voter rolls, right? It's a win. Um, a year ago, and it you know, it didn't it work, but there was a recall effort for LaToya Cantrell in New Orleans, who's mm. the horrendous mayor there. The recalls all Democrats, okay? I mean, the money that funded it was from a Republican businessman. Mm-hmm. But the people that worked the recall, they're all Democrats. Well, most all of them are Black Democrats. And they found 25,000 people in Orleans Parish, which has, I don't know, something like 250,000 registered voters. They found like 25,000 um, bad names on that voter mm. on the voter roll. It's like ten percent, mm-hmm. okay. And you know, and I mean, the 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 state of Louisiana, generally speaking, the Secretary of State's office does a pretty good job with the voter file statewide. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, in Orleans Parish, you had that. so that's like one place. It's ten ten percent of the names are are messed up. Like there's millions of lines in voter files of states across the country that could be struck out and that trash in the vote on the voter rolls is how they're able to fix elections because it's it's somebody that they know will not challenge when they go and they get an absentee ballot or you know a mail-in ballot or whatever they can fill that out and send it in and there will be nobody saying hey wait a minute that's not my vote there's not going to be anybody because whoever it is is dead or right. they live in, you know, Hollywood, Florida now instead of Hollywood, California, or whatever. Right. Um, they know that they right. also will mean the people that never vote, haven't voted in 10 years. We're going to go. We're going to go get request an absentee ballot for that person. And we're going to go intercept it when it comes in. the mail. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Republicans, you know, at this point. This is when, you know, we're the stupid party. I feel like they deserve to lose. If if they're not willing, and if Trump is not willing to lead on this, then, you know, 
I, I don't, I don't know what to know what to say because it's because. Um, well, it's worse than that because the person who should be leading it is the RNC chair. Yes. And Trump has backed Ronna McDaniel, who is a loser for three straight cycles. Right. Okay. He has backed her and she is directly responsible for failing to handle any of this stuff in a proper right. way. Um, and yet it's, you know, she says nice things about Trump. And so he's not willing to change her out. When what you need is a tiger, you need somebody who's like, no, we're going to win on every single front. If I can't gin up enough harvested ballots to match the Democrats, then I'm going to do the voter file project and deny them the fuel to be able to do those things. Or I'm going to get together with all the evangelicals and conservative Christians or whatever, and we're going to start ballot harvesting in church. And once we get that project going, the Democrats will sue for peace because there's so many people who would vote Republican in those churches, but don't vote. Right. Um, um, okay. I don't know though. I mean, the thing is, is the well, RNC has always stunk. When has there been a good RNC chair? Name one. Rent I would say Priebus was pretty good. I would yeah. say Priebus was he pretty could raise good. a lot yeah. of money. But he presided. Nah, they, they, they did. They did some grassroots things. I mean, it wasn't great, but I mean, by the last thirty-year standards, I'd say he did well. I mean, certainly really? comparing to his predecessor the... was Michael Steele. He did awful. Okay. Uh, okay. Michael Steele was kneecapped right from the start. He he you. fired all of the he fired all of the uh, grifter the consultants. Yeah. And once he did that, there was war on the right on, on him because I he know. wanted to. And so then in his bitterness, he's become a flippant Democrat because and he wasn't really wrong because everybody's being kind of racist and not letting him actually do his dumb job. And then Renz Priebus comes in, brings back all the crappy vendors that I they know. had before, raised lots of money and then presided over the biggest tech failure in Republican history with that stupid whale program or whatever that permit Romney. 2012? Yeah. So, I mean, I... I don't ugh. remember that Priebus was the chair in 12. I'm pretty sure he was. I thought that was still steel and Priebus came nope. after that. Nope. I don't know. You might be right. We'd have to look that up. We'll clarify right. it for uh, the next show, I guess. Unless you're going to look it up now. I'm I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, because that's okay. irritating me. Yeah, from 2011 to 2017, he was the RNC chair. Okay, so that was kind of his first mm -hmm. his first go around. Well, that was certainly a failure. I'm not going to say it was. Well, I'm just saying that all of and all and it was a crap ton of money. Oh, and, and I, I remember it, that election because I was working that election. Wasn't because, that? I mean, wasn't but wasn't that thing? Was it was Orca was the name? Yeah. Um, wasn't that like that was it was it was one of Romney's vendors that it was like, they pushed this it on? Was, now I'm not saying they, that Priebus wasn't involved in it, but. No, uh, it was the RNC. The way it was written ago. up is that it was somebody that went to Romney and sold Romney on it, and then Romney went to the RNC and said, "I want this," right? And they said, "Okay," and then the thing was a big disaster. And the money, and, and here's the other thing, and I distinctly recall that election because I was doing for um, a group, I was consulting and doing all of the kind of social media 
in all of the swing states and in the swing districts. So I had, a, I mean, like a super granular grasp on that election. And so, and also working with like ad buying with different agencies and, you know, so we weren't outbidding each other and all that crap. And then also the grassroots on the ground stuff. The RNC would not give anybody else the data they had. So what was happening is that it was a complete a misuse of resources. So we, yeah. so some, some neighborhoods would have people, you know, three different groups knocking on doors and then other neighborhoods had nobody knocking on doors and because they wouldn't share data or they wouldn't let, they wouldn't give it to the local which, people. Which by the way is still very much the case. It's still the case. So I don't want to hear it. We haven't had a good RNC chair in my lifetime that I even know of. And no one, I've said it before, I will say it again, do not give money to the RNC. It is a terrible organization. They, the, the incentives are all wrong. They don't know what they're doing and they're worthless. Meanwhile, you know- No, 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 no. they're worse than worthless. They actively screw things up because it's, it's a corrupt racket. Well, but this is the thing. They actively take resources that could be used elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a non-Mitch McConnell version of Mitch McConnell. It's essentially right. what it is. Um, but here's the thing: because it's so bad, all right. Number one, it should be obvious to somebody like Trump that okay, this this we need to work a little bit on trying to clean up. And number two, it's a low bar. Like, it's not difficult to make improvements to a situation that bad. Right. Um, you know, yeah, but it is because it's all old. It's like a Deion people. Sanders thing, you know. Well, yeah. you went four and eight. And he's like, Yeah, but the team was one and eleven when I took over. Like, hey, three games better. Like, I still suck. Mm -hmm. Um, so I you're right, but I mean the point is I like that little I like that little jab in there. I like that. I I like that. Is a really a really nice little jab because we talked about this before for those of you who are listening and um, she, she got sucked into the to the Deion Sanders hype. I well I did, but the thing is is that <laughs> college I like that his positive message, you know. But you're right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean it might it might ultimately turn into something, but the hype was, you know, Nick Nick Saban who i don't like but mm -hmm. give him credit he called like he calls that you know that hype mm -hmm. he calls it rat poison mm -hmm. it's, it's like eating rat poison to get freaking wrapped up in like people telling you how great you are and all that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i mean like Deion sanders cornered the market on rat poison <laughs> for the first well i mean the thing is the season and then it just cratered on the RNC is is rat poisoning. Stop feeding the RNC. It's, I mean, the RNC is more like cyanide rat poisoning. Well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, everything that goes into it. So, like, don't expect anything out of this organization. It's terrible. Oh. Well, but you're going to have an RNC, is what I'm trying to say. You're mm -hmm. going to have it. Like, I agree that it's a terrible organization, but. You know the party is going to have a central committee, mm -hmm. and it's there's going to be money that goes through that central. Committee. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and is it inevitable that it's going to suck? Maybe, mm -hmm. 
If it's structurally made to suck, Scott, the thing well, is, is that I it's, get that. it's well, all ancient people is... who are voting for who's in charge. It's, it's, it's a social committee on a good day. They go off cycle. And then, you know, meanwhile, the Democrats never slow, uh, shut down. The Democrats no. fund offices across the country in places where they can get votes. So when yeah. it comes to ballot harvesting, it, the, the structure's already in place. Correct. That doesn't happen with the RNC, the Republican side. Oh, I can't well, even. But my point is, is that that's that's it's not that hard to fix. Fire people <laughs> and start over. You know, they and if that. you're Trump, they, you're the then... you're you're the you're fired guy from The Apprentice. It's not that hard. Hey, Rob, <laughs> you're fired, right? And then you bring in some of your own people, and you you know start over, and you do this thing. He's got 60% of the votes of Republican uh, voters in the polls. Okay. Right. He's get he's at 60. He's the guy. It's his party. Okay. And because it's his party, it's his responsibility to fix this. And he hasn't fixed it. And I mean, I'm not trying to, to down Trump here. No, that's true. Saying, I mean, look, it's true. This is a problem that needs to be fixed if you want to win. You can't right. have a dysfunctional mess of a party structure, which is supposed to handle the block and tackle of winning elections at right. the ground level, all the way up to the top. And instead you have this, you know, this, this liability that you're not doing anything with. Yep. All right. Well, so on that happy note. No bueno. No good. The Republicans need to get their act together as per usual just know that if we ever win anything it's a it's a miracle it's you know and and in certain states like wisconsin where the grassroots group and this goes all the way back to the tea party which is mm -hmm. it, it has always been good there you have other places where it's just not like nevada the the, the problem in nevada is is um has been systemic for a long time. Although from my understanding, the Republican party is doing better, but not good enough to get rid of universal mail-in ballots, which in the federal or in the national elections is the problem. So yeah. I say you have to take those electoral votes away in a fair and normal world, Trump could win there. Yeah. Probably fairly handily and easily. But under the system the way it is now, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And no one's talking about it. Well, I mean, you know, like these are the things that your party should be paying lawyers to go fight in court over and over and over again. And like wearing everyone out with all the lawsuits. Right. You know, and why that's not happening, I really don't know. Um, because it shouldn't be that hard to raise money to go fund lawyers to, hey, you know, give us this donation and we're going to turn around and, and we're going to, you know, we'll go fix this in the courts. I mean, right. big money people love that kind of thing. But we oh. have, we have, oh. so in other words, I can pay to go get it. Yes, you can pay us and we'll go fix it in the courts. Whether that works or not, they love it because they're involved in litigation all the time with the businesses they own. They think, oh, yeah, okay, that's how, that's how things are done. Right. So let's pay a bunch of lawyers and let's go to court and let's fight tooth and nail on every single one of these things. Like that's like 
All you're doing is cutting a check. You don't have to do any actual work on that if you're Ron McDaniel or whoever. You don't have to work on that. You hire a lawyer and they do it. That's not hard. Okay, so the thing is, is these, these things are structural problems. Then you have the ideological ones, which we touched on, which is the, in my opinion, the greater, the greater problem is that we have um, a right who a, a big segment doesn't like their own base and would rather be like what Kevin McCarthy said on his way out. Like saying that, you know, the Democratic Party looks like America. As right. if the people who vote Republican, as if the blue collar working class people, as if the um, increasing percentage of, right. you know, Hispanic voters and black male voters and right. whatnot and married people don't actually represent America. You know, but this is what the uh, the elites in the Republican Party think. They right. don't like their own voters. They, and, they and, think they think a party made up of Corinne Jean Pierre, Richard Levine, Sam Brinton, and Rachel Dolezal looks like America. Right. It's like like what is America? The Jerry Springer show? Is that like like that's yeah. that's what you think looks like America, Kevin? And it's like, you know what? like you should be gone it's right. a shitty thing for you to do to like leave in the middle of your term because you didn't get your way but you right. should be gone okay right. we can't get rid of you fast enough you know it's just it, it's just a complete contempt for anyone who doesn't um kind of have the form that they think people should have it's kind right. of a it's just pure elitism. And the thing is about Kevin McCarthy and the leader, the supposed intellectuals on the right, the left is completely empty and a hollowed out husk, as is demonstrated by the presence of all of these Ivy institutions. I mean, it's all DEI stupid people who never would get the position they have if they did not have a uterus or a certain skin color. I mean, let's right. be real here. And Absolutely. it's an absolute insult to intellectualism to like pretend that these people are anything. So let's just wipe out the left. They, there's no intellectual core there. On the right, this, it, it's not much better. And so you have these people who view themselves as so smart. It's like Kevin McCarthy's kind of stupid. And, and so like, why do you think that you're so representative um, and better than, you know, like, um, well, and it's, it's just one of the biggest uh, problems is these people are um, these conservatives, quote unquote, are elevated to the positions that they're in by the left. In other words, you've got a TV gig working for a network that's run by a bunch of leftists. Or you're a newspaper columnist at a newspaper. It's run by a bunch of leftists. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and everybody looks down at talk radio, right? Mm -hmm. Like, those are idiots. Rush Limbaugh was the best political analyst in America for 30 years. His entire time. Yeah, his yeah. entire time. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, and it wasn't close. I mean, the guy, like, every time the guy predicted something, it came true. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and yet there's this guy and he went one year of college and what does he know? Whatever. Like mm-hmm. that that got exposed as idiocy when Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk came along. Right. Um, although I think I think Musk actually did graduate from college. Um like those guys all Jeff Bezos didn't graduate from college, I think. Or did he? I don't know. I don't care. Uh, but, it doesn't to me see the thing is it doesn't matter. It's no. you know, the, the intellectual but, I mean, firepower but, what matters is your ideas. And my problem on the right is we there are very good ideas to fight against what the left believes to stand on something strong. I mean, there's so many like just layups right now when it comes mm-hmm. to the politics and the Republicans can't even do that. They can't stand that. When you have Nikki Haley uh, messing around and talking about transgenderism, talking about stifling free speech online, when you have the, you know, Kevin McCarthy talking about what America it's, looks like and he's, you know, you're, well, you're, it, it, you're enslaved to blue state elite narratives right because you think that those people are your betters or that they're the thought leaders of the country or that you have to subscribe to the cultural institutions that they control right when nobody believes in them nobody likes any of their stuff right and you know like i keep screaming that if the if the republican party would would adopt a kid rock attitude Right. which is screw these people they're morons right. you know and like my whole thing that we talked about a week ago right which was this this woke clown kaczynski from cnn decides he's going to attack mike johnson based on the fact that he wrote the forward to the revivalist manifesto mm-hmm. and you know well we're going to write this you know this hit piece about your poopy head book that you wrote like hey you're going to sell a lot of my books, right? Like I took that out. It's like, this is great. I love it that you're going to do this. And I mean, you know, the comms guys for Johnson, and I'm going, no, lean in. Okay. Don't give these people the respect that they don't deserve. And, you know, like the thing, it wasn't a big controversy for Johnson only because they started attacking him from a different direction five hours later. But, like the whole point is, is it's like, there's no reason to be afraid of these guys. There's no reason to let them cancel you. There's no reason to even be influenced by anything that they say. They're morons. They're not smart people. They're not deep thinkers. Okay. They're relentless and they win because they're relentless. But well, there's and no they believe power they, behind them. They believe in their own crazy. And that belief is a lot. It would be nice. We have very sound belief systems on the right. Like the, yeah. right, the right to life. Yeah, our stuff actually works. It actually works. If you talk through the cultural things, you know, people not knowing how to, you know, um, talk about abortion and and states' rights and, and moving it to the state and the individual liberty and all of these things. This isn't difficult. You go topic by topic by topic and how, you know, um, 
children should have the right to be children and then be they should be adults before they can consent to something and make their own decisions so we can be sure that these young people are making decisions for their own bodies once they're mature you know these types of things which are obvious things right, right. but you know nikki haley can't even come up with an argument for why and then well parents should be able to do well this is about parents rights well, we don't let parents kill their children. Why in the world would we, we don't let them beat their children. Why would we let them lop off body parts of their children? Right. You don't know. And so put it in. Nikki in, Haley can't get into any of that because Nikki Haley's base, such as it exists, is right. made up of those kinds of people. Maybe, you know, the, the social climbing suburban wine mom type folks that, you know, happen to be Republicans, even though they're kind of like woke. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's that's who votes for Nikki Haley. Um, and so, you know, they they well, you know, if my kid wants to be trans, I guess I'll just have to make my kid trans. And Nikki Haley can't say, no, don't do that. You're abusing your kid because that'll turn those people off. Right. And they'll go vote for Joe Biden instead of Nikki. Well, so we have, so my point being is that this is a bigger problem. And so you, so the Republicans at their convention will, will vote on their party platform and it'll be all the stuff that we're talking about because the base will put this together yeah. and then the Republicans will go about undermining. Whereas on the left, to circle back to where we were at the beginning, Barack Obama and his minions and his ideolog ideological Leninists, because they're even worse than Marxists. Um, Maoists. I and think Maoists. they're much more Maoists than they are Leninists because they're well, the cultural reason why I, Well, they are. But the reason I say Lenin is because, you know, Leninism was not about even ideology at the root of it. It was about power and saying whatever it took to be in power. And right. and the Mao, what you have in China, and the Maoists at that time, and you see on the left here in America, is kind of the youth movement where they're willing to, you know, kill, can't kill anybody. It's so funny that the Antifa people are the actual, um, you know, Red Guard type of folks. And no question. And, and they're and they're absolutely communal in how they act. so like it's as per usual um in the in the bible there's a scripture talking about you know satan uh, is the father of lies and don't be surprised because he disguises himself as an angel of light and right. so here we have on the left they're they're the very things that they accuse others of and then you have on the right people trying to make excuses for Satan and his foot soldiers dressed in black block, you know, the black and uh, right. and trying to pretend that that's all good because at least they're fighting against Trump because we hate him. Right. So this is the situation that we're in. And if the party leadership on the right would actually listen to what the voters wanted, they would ha have such strong positions to be in but they Look, can't that, even that's the that. revival i wrote the book about. it's is, exactly is getting it. that republican party and all of a sudden like I, I i did a show um a couple of days ago and that like that was the, the question like how do you fight off the obama democrats like how do you how do you make this 
problem go away? And I was like, this movement that keeps coming back, it started with Reagan, and then it was Gingrich's movement, they retook the House, mm-hmm. then it was the Tea Party movement, then it was the MAGA movement. Mm-hmm. That movement, when it actually controls the Republican Party, instead of having to be an insurgent within the Republican Party, when it actually controls the GOP, then you'll have a GOP that banishes the Obama Democrats because it kicks their ass. And I'm not just, this is not just theoretical, by the way. We have this in Louisiana, okay? You you have Jeff Landry at the top of the ticket and like everybody below him, are they're all populist conservatives, okay? Vast majority of the legislature that just got, that just went in, I mean, the entire group, and you could say that these are MAGA people, but it doesn't really fit because a lot of this is state issues rather than national. But they're mm-hmm. all they're all Trump people, okay? Mm-hmm. Trump endorsed pretty much all of these guys that are now holding statewide office in Louisiana. And I mean, the Democrats are they're they don't even exist anymore, okay? Like they can't even get more than like thirty percent of the vote in statewide elections, okay? And I mean, okay. like other than the majority black districts in the legislature, there's like. Five out of 105 in the House and one out of 39 in the Senate who are white Democrats left in Louisiana. Okay. Like it's the black districts. Yeah, they have Democrats. Everything else is all solid Republican. All right. So you have this party I'm talking in Louisiana. You have it in other states too. I think you have it in Florida. Um, I think you have it in Oklahoma. I think there's Iowa. It looks like you have it. Okay. And where you have that, they make great policy and the state starts moving forward. I mean, like this stuff does work and it works politically because like if you look at DeSantis in Florida, for example, I mean, that was a razor tight race. Four years later, Florida's as deep red a red state as you can get because the policies work and because you have a party behind him that is willing to do the things that Republican base wants and they treat Republican voters as the priority. These are the guys that elected me. I'm giving them what they want. If you ever had that in the GOP nationally, you, you it would be Reagan again. Where you it would be it would be because majority of, of, of seats in Congress and in the Senate and you'd win presidential elections over and over again. And you'd have 28 governorships and state you'd have 28 states where you control the governor and the legislature, like you'd have all 30 states. You would have those things. You're an underperforming party because you don't keep faith with your voters. Yep. And, and this the, is and not the, a difficult is, lesson to learn. And yet these people refuse to learn. it. The American people would come along. The American yes. people don't want a Southern border like we have. The American people don't want the inflation that we have, which by the way, just went up even with gas prices dropping like a rock. And what does that mean, everybody? That means we're either in stagflation. Oh, we're totally in stagflation. That, that's being charitable. And people feel their subjective experience of the economy is a recession, even though they have jobs because they're peddling like, like you know, rats in a, on a wheel to keep up with everything and they just can't do it. And so nobody can buy houses now because they can't afford that. Everybody is cutting back on their lifestyle. Everybody's cutting back on their lifestyle. Everybody's miserable. And Mm -hmm. you have these pockets around the country where things are good, 
where the, um, you know, uh, kind of more uh, educated elite people live, but the average person is just, you know, they're trying to stay above water. And so yeah. it, it's just a terrible, so it's ripe for good messaging. And then you have people who, um, all of this woke insanity and anybody who's normal, like who's just normal, apolitical, right. normal person is like, this is insanity. Yeah. And so you have, and even the comedians, all ages, like in the cultural, broader culture. I just saw an interview. I, I watched an interview between um, Mark Ruffalo, who's like a freaking communist, and Robert Downey Jr., who went more conservative after he did a stint in jail and realized that all of his you know, liberal ideology was might be a little off. So these guys have been friends for years. And Mark Ruffalo took a role and he said, because, and the guy who was the, the role he played was a really bad guy. I hadn't seen the movie. He was with Emma. Um, oh, what's her name? But anyway, the actress and, and he plays just a cad, terrible man of an, you know, of a role. And Robert Downey Jr. was asking him about playing this role, you know, that he was kind of surprised because he's like, of all the people I know who have a moral center in what they believe in how they act, it's you, Mark, you know, like this is, you have a, certain things are very important to you. And you know what Ruffalo said, and I wanted to come through the screen and punch him in the face because I'm like, this is your fault. He said, I took this role because we are so stifled as a culture. We can't say anything. We can't be anything. We have to, we have to be the circumscribed thing. And he's like, I took this because it was freeing to, and it, and he, he admitted that these people exist and that, that it's okay to play unlikable people and that we should be free to show these points of view. And I was like, the reason why the culture is stifled is because guys like you were you know, making I mean, it his, so that... his Twitter for the last whatever 15 years. Right. It's the most moralizing cancel culture twit in existence. Exactly. And, and then so he's like, going to say, oh, it's free. Now it's gone no, too I don't far. Hear After everything that he's done, now it's gone too far. And right. so you have these, and I get mad at Rogan some. You know, when Rogan first came to Texas, he was talking about how he wanted to leave his, his central thing was leaving California. It had been ruined by all this. I was like, you voted for this. Yeah. But then you come to Texas and he's gotten increasingly more kind of conservative and outlook and libertarian. And he's seen that when you live in a more libertarian place, you can be actually free and mm -hmm. that you can whatever. And so you, now you're seeing these comedians and they're all, I've noticed this trend. They're either Gen Z or Gen X. The millennials are horrendous and the boomers horrendous. But you've right. got these Gen Xers who are, are not having it. And I'm talking about Dave Chappelle. You, you go down the comedians. Have you, hey, have you um, have you watched Old Dads yet? Mm -mm. You should watch Old Dads. Bill Burr's movie. Okay. Um, you should watch Old Dads. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's it's you should watch it and then we should have a conversation okay. about it because it's very much on point with what you're talking about 
with right. the Gen X, um, you know, like the Gen, the Gen X people. And essentially, like the, the theme of it, I'm not going to spoil any of it, but the theme of old dads is here's a, you know, late 40s, early 50s, you know, guy with a family and everything around him makes him utterly 100 percent. I mean, like, and it's designed mm -hmm. to make him 100 percent. Right. And there's a lot to it that's that's funny, but mm -hmm. it's also really depressing like really depressing it's like um, idiocracy you watch it and you're like oh, that's not it's it like this prophetic not, yeah like i don't <laughs> like this this is not making me very exactly. uncomfortable right um yeah old dads is a little like that um but it's you know it's more irreverent and and it's but you know like i watched them like okay like this is a it's more of a statement movie than it is a comedy mm -hmm. but man it's on point like in terms of where society is and mm -hmm. like what a normal person would think of where society is, mm -hmm. you know, and that's Bill Burr's very much. That's who Bill Burr is. Like he's, yeah. he's excellent at pointing that stuff out. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, you know, and it's, it's absolutely on the nose and you're sitting there going, I don't know how this movie got made. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, like, I don't know, he must have had pictures of somebody in Hollywood and forced him to put this movie on because this he is not the kind does. of movie Hollywood wants to make. You know, you can't even make an action movie without girls beating the shit out of all the guys. How the hell they make this movie? So, right. um, yeah. But it's... Well, it's, the, I mean, the thing is, is that there's definitely... Uh, all back to the point is that the Republicans could just... If they could catch a wave like if an yeah. ideological wave, it's there for them to catch. Yeah, just get out of having, your own way. And they're having trouble doing that. The only people that they're interacting and talking to are these little, you know, communist imbued uh, journalists. And they need to recognize that the people who are asking them questions do not have a foundation for representation. Mm -hmm. It is, they. these are the theater kids. It's 2% of the population max the vast majority are just normal people. Right. And so stop accepting the premise and talk about what you want to talk about and talk past these people and to the American people and stop mm -hmm. bellyaching about what the Democrats are doing. You have power to do something about it. Use it. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to hear it. Stop funding the FBI. If you're tired of it, just stop right. funding them. Stop yeah. funding the DOJ. They get, right. you Stop funding Jack there? Smith. Right. Why are you funding Jack Smith? Shut it down. Hey, Shut it down. you're trying to interfere with the presidential election. Everybody right. knows, Democrats all, you know, think that they know what Trump did. Right. Republicans think this. Uh, let the voters sort this out. We're not funding this. Right. That's not hard to do. That's actually easy to do. And my guess is most of the American people would be very receptive if mike mm -hmm. johnson said we're cutting off the funding to this maybe we'll do that you know maybe we'll do it next year okay and we'll you know like if trump loses then somebody will come along and fund this and you can prosecute more but we're shutting it down now because the voters are going to get a chance to to sort this stuff out done period don't want to hear anymore right if he did that every republican voter in america would rejoice Minus these kind of fringy, you know, Nikki Haley fans. Um, 
And, you know, the Democrats would be mad, but they're already mad. And the and the independents would say, thank God this is out of the way. Right. Like, really, that's what would happen. And I don't know why it's, well, we'll get bad notices in the Washington Post. Don't care what the Washington Post says. Nobody who votes for you reads the Washington Post. So why do you give a damn what they say? You know, and, and that is like that is part of the problem or maybe that is the problem. Well, and the other. That, yeah. And then you go from you know, the foreign policy. You know, Trump's foreign policy was actually something that the Republican base and the country whole could get behind. Highly successful. Highly successful. And so here we are in Ukraine. Why are we negotiating a peace settlement? Why are we sending a hundred billion dollars more over there? What is well, happening? It, look, the column that I wrote, that that's the question. Like, it's not so much that, but why is Joe Biden not answering these questions? Right. Why doesn't Joe Biden come to the American people and make the case? Hey, here, like, here is what an end game in Ukraine looks like. This is right. what we're after. This is what we're trying to accomplish. This is what the why this sixty billion dollars I need. This is what it will what it will fund and how it will get us to where we need to be. For $60 billion of my money, you better be able to make that case. He didn't even try. Instead, he sends Lloyd Austin off to say, hey, if you don't do this, then you're going to end up sending your boys and girls to Eastern Europe. Right. No, we're not. The American people would never stand for that. The Congress would never stand for that. You will not deploy Americans into Ukraine. That's never going to happen. So why are you threatening us with this? Why don't you at least make the case for this? And to the extent that you could get out of making the case to the American people for that $60 billion, shut the border down and the Republicans will give it to you. And you won't even do that? Right. Okay? You're right. This should be easy to be, electorate. This should be easy to be. This should You should be able to rack up all the independent voters out most of whom are disaffected conservatives, by the way. Right. That's the, the, the Well, the, the thing is, that that's knows. true. And the thing is, is that, but we have, again, uh, Republicans without the courage of their convictions. And I'm just guessing that most of them, there's, you know, the CIA has naked pictures of them and the Biden administration has naked pictures of them with, you know, people other well, than you, you, know, you get to Congress and then, you know, you get to do insider trading and the things that you're trading in, you know, you like now you're locked in. It's almost like Saddam Hussein back in the day where he'd had his, have his people kill dissidents. And mm -hmm. so they were just as invested in, you know, whatever evils the Ba'ath Party was going to do right. um, as Saddam was. And so, you know, you have these things and you have a lot of people who are compromised. Right. Um, but you know, that's not the Republican Party that fixes this. The Republican Party that fixes this is at the state level. It's at the local level. In a lot of places, it's at the grassroots level. And that needs to bubble up and take out these these Washington uh, Congress critters and Washington generals and stupid party people. We've been saying this. I've been saying this for as long as I've been in this game. And it's been about 16 years. Yep. So, okay, with that... Do you think the GOP will ever listen to us? I think not. Um, well, you know, I, I think that I think that there's a generational when you go from boomers running the party to Gen X running the party, you're going to get some positive movement. 
Hopefully it's enough. But even if it's not, you'll things will get you will get better when Mitch McConnell is gone. Mm-hmm. And he will be gone soon. Mitch McConnell is 62.7% dead. Okay. <laughs> like, he's almost gone. And when he goes, yes, you will probably have some other establishment turd take. Yeah, it'll be John Cornyn will be taking over. Maybe. But, and this is going to sound weird, John Cornyn actually is an improvement over Mitch in that he's not it's not that he wants to be better than mitch mcconnell he's just not as good at sucking as mitch mcconnell mm-hmm. um i don't know about that well look mcconnell is an active uh evildoer okay i mean like this is a guy who for since two for 15 16 years now mitch mcconnell has been sabotaging conservatives mm-hmm. like in ways that you're like i can't believe he pulled that off like he has mm-hmm. done that for 16 years running yep. that so if he's out of there chances are the next guy whether it's Cornyn or John Thune or whoever else will be less uh less of a saboteur or mm. less of an effective saboteur odds are so, I love because your optimism. McConnell has done more damage to his own party mm-hmm. than any figure in American political history over those 16 years that he has been. The, the and he caucus. did it with help. Yeah, I get that. But, I mean, there's probably 15 conservative Senate candidates that Mitch McConnell has directly stopped from getting elected. Yeah, fair. And I don't know that you can, I don't know, you can go back through American history and I don't think you'll ever find anything like that. I don't know. But and if you didn't, if you didn't have that malign influence, where would you be? I mean, you'd be in a much different place. Yeah. There's a reason he's the most unpopular person in Washington D.C. I mean, you got a lot of his Democrats have people that most Americans would shoot on sight as soon as they saw him, and Mitch McConnell's the most unpopular one in the bunch. That should tell you a lot. Hmm. All right. Well, well, that uh, <laughs> we'll end. Want to put your books back up there? We need yes. to plug them again. I always want to do that. Here you All go. Right. Racism, Revenge, and Ruin. Great Christmas present. Bye Great now. Christmas present. Split Look difference. The, Christmas all, present. Uh, all the pretty red. It's so Christmassy. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. So go back to spectator.org. We have a lot of good stuff on the site. I'm really excited. Scott's got a piece up right now. Ellie Gardy, our one of our young writers, has a really great piece up right now. There's lots of good stuff. And um, remember to like us here all over the place. The If you're not seeing the full video at YouTube, it's at Rumble, it's on Twitter. And <laughs> this is my co-spokesman here at the house my cat oh anyway um so yes like and and everything else um all the good things find us on twitter and um and then we'll see you next week i don't know we'll be we'll be doing one we'll have one more next next week and then we skip the week after yeah we skip the week after so okay so keep uh watching us thank you all for listening today and watching we appreciate it have a great week